Welcome to episode 84 of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Berry. Carl Landau, the co-author of Pickleball for Dummies, says the sport has a worldwide multi-generational following with more than 5 million players and growing. Playing pickleball is a fun way to meet fun-loving people and put an extra pep in your step, all in the name of having more energy for your grandchildren and even playing a game or two with them. What is pickleball? Carl says it looks a lot like tennis on a miniature court with much less running, which is great if your knees don't like that sort of thing. Playing pickleball is a safe option for getting more fresh air and definitely way more fun than using an elliptical at the gym. Carl is with us today to explain why people love to play pickleball, how and where to play, and the proper body mechanics for safe and effective play. He also will explain the fine art of dinking. Please join me in welcoming Carl to the podcast. I had never heard of pickleball until a friend moved to a retirement community. They have a pickleball court and it's like, what in the world is pickleball? (laughs) So she was explaining it to me and it's like, okay, I I need to learn more about this. I was reading your book and Mm -hmm. it talks about the history and how it got started in 1965. So can you walk us through the history of it? In 1965, uh, Joel Pritchard, who was a congressman from Seattle, uh, he was spending a summer and he he was from, uh, uh, there was, he and his family were spending uh, time in uh, summer in Rainbridge Island, Washington, which is not far from Seattle. And, uh, you know, the kids were bored. I mean, you know, everyone's been on these family vacations. There were several uh, families there. And so uh, the other friend there was Bill Bell and his whole family. So what they did was they just created this game and they took some uh, table tennis paddles and a wiffle ball and uh, put a net between them and, and a whiff, uh, a pickball net is about two, three inches shorter than a tennis court. And then they uh, built some lines and, you know, strangely enough, they, they used a wiffle ball to do it and, and, uh, and it worked and the kids loved it. In fact, the whole family loved it. And I, I think that's one of the real appeals to pickball is the fact that well, first, men and women can play, and it's there's no big advantage to being strong. Little advantage to being a little taller, but uh, you know it's all about skill. It's not strength whatsoever, and it's strategy. And uh, um, anyway, they they you know invented what ended up being called pickleball. And interesting enough, you know it sort of you know people were playing it in in. Uh, a company actually was founded about five years later, uh, Pickball Inc. They would sell the equipment, but it really never really caught on until I'd say about six, seven years ago. And it's really been the baby boomers that like have totally jumped on the sport. And, you know, today there's 5 million people in the U.S. playing pickball. I mean, it's really exploded, but but particularly in the pandemic, um, because it's it's a sport you're really not, it's not physical where you're touching anyone. Uh, the most you'll do is like tap someone else's paddle, you know, after a play, you know, a good play or you, know, or you tap at the end just to congratulate the other team. Um, so it, it, during the pandemic, it grew 40% to 
to where we are 5 billion people playing today. What is your experience with pickleball? I was like you uh, about three years ago. Um, I was up in, I'm in California and I was in Lake Tahoe and a friend of mine uh, said, do you want to play pickleball? And like you, I'm like, what is pickleball? And so uh, anyway, she explained a little bit and I just went on YouTube and, you know, there's a million videos now how to play pickleball. And um, I just met her at the court and uh, I'm a former racquetball player. I played racquetball for 30 years, but racquetball is sort of a dying sport and there's not many courts and there's not many people that still want to play it. And uh, the very first time I played with my friend, I think we won, um, even though we didn't know it. But what was so great about it, Carolyn, was the people were so friendly. Everyone wanted to like teach us how to play. And it's like a really polite game. Um, you know, you're always congratulating the people on the other side if they make a good shot on you. And and, and everyone's really excited about playing and they really take you into this community very quickly. I mean, people you don't know at all. And it was great. And I just loved it the first time I played it. And, and I think one of the big uh, appealing parts of it are that it is easy to play. Um, it's on a, about a quarter size of a tennis court. Uh, and almost everyone plays doubles. So if you think about it, it's a really small court. Um, so even if you've never played really any sports, you can pick up uh, pretty easily and you have a paddle and you're hitting a kind of wiffle ball. The holes are totally different uh, on it. But um, so I, I think that's the appeal. Like uh, within 30 minutes, you can teach someone how to play pickball and, they, and you can actually have a decent game with them. Unlike, you know, a game like, golf where you know it takes years and years and years of practice and there's a lot of frustration involved and I don't know for the most part people don't take pickball that serious and and they just want to have a good time so it seems particularly for uh, baby boomers to be like the sport well I love the fact that it's a multi-generational game that it's something that my grandkids and I can play and I don't have to worry about getting hurt in badminton which my grandkids love to play and we played a lot this summer it, the object was to hit it hard and fast and then there's mama berry running you know to try to hit the birdie and i trip over something and you know that wasn't a good a good situation so this sounds a lot more tame that's a really good point pretty safe sport i mean you'll get hit by a wiffle ball but it only hurts so much i mean it's I used to play racquetball. Oh my God, if someone would, you know, hit you in the back of your leg or back or your back, it just lit you up. So you don't see any serious injuries uh, with pickleball. So um, that's for sure. And, and it is, it's a great sport to play with grandkids. I have two grandkids, they're eight and five. And even the five-year-old can play. They had a riot doing it. So uh, it, it is something you can do with your kids, with your grandkids. It's just a lot of fun. It really is. Tell me what is the word dinking? What does that mean? Okay, so that's part of the soft game of pickleball. So dinking is usually you're near the net. Now you can't stand, unlike tennis, you can't stand right by the net. Because if you did the entire game, because the court is so small, 
you would just be whacking that ball. Like, you know, it, it wouldn't be much fun. So dinking is a short shot for the most part where you're just barely getting it over the net and you're putting it in what is called the kitchen. And the kitchen is this area that is, uh, you know, about, uh, about eight feet wide, uh, uh, I, I'm sorry, eight feet deep. And you, you want to put the ball in the kitchen because if someone, uh, if the ball bounces, you can go in the kitchen. But if you're going to hit it, you're going to be so close to the net that you're probably going to hit it in the net. So it's a strategy that you'll see people use all the time where you just, it's this really simple shot, very soft. And, you know, you're sort of angling it towards someone's backhand and, and, you know, it's, and it's just a strategy that's used in it. So, so like I said, at the beginning, it's not really a strength thing. It's much more a strategic thing. And you're just sort of waiting for someone to actually pop the ball up. So it's like, uh, you know, it, at your shoulder level or above. And th then you can sort of whack them all. So, but dinking is a huge part of the game. All right. I'll, I'll make note of that. Okay. In my backyard, I have a portable badminton set. Mm -hmm. So I can put it up and take it down fairly easy. But the net is high. So yes. I, I think I read someplace where the pickleball net is fairly low. It, it's two inches lower than what a tennis net would be. And it's the same sort of net. It's just a little lower than a tennis uh, net. Is it fourth of the width because the course itself is a fourth? Both ways. So it's like a shrunken down tennis court. So now we know what dinking is. What are some of the other strategies? Um, well, it all becomes be, begins with a serve. Um, and the thing about the serve and this is what makes pickleball so great is you have to hit it uh, underhand, you know, as far as the serve. So like in tennis, you're hitting it overhand and, and a lot of tennis is just someone acing someone and then that points over and then you move to the next point. And so if someone is like a dominant server, it's not that much fun, but with pickleball, you have to <clears throat> hit the pickleball, which is sort of like a wiffle ball you have to hit it underhand and uh and and then you have to put it uh on the other person's side just like tennis where you have to put it in an area uh designated to where the receiver is um so so that's you know that's a big part of the game but it's really easy to serve but once again you can't hit it so hard that uh someone's going to get an ace very often or anything like that so but you just want to make sure you get it in. Um, so as far as like particular strategies, what you're trying to do is force the other team to make mistakes because it's really easy to hit it in the, uh, in the net. So, um, so really you can hit the, the, I mean, the big strategy is to put it in that kitchen area where they can't really get to it and get a good shot. Um, and that's where all the thinking comes in. But what you're, what you're really trying to do is get that person to eventually pop it up. And once the ball pops up, it's really easy to get a point. So that's what the game's all about. But 
But the strategy is sort of the first team that can get to that volley area, which is right behind the kitchen. That team, I mean, that's your a number one strategy is try to get up towards the, the net and the, the volley area. And that team usually will get the point because all you can do at that point is try to hit it in the kitchen, dink it in there, or, or you may want to hit it over you know, someone's head and just a really easy lob. But that's not super easy to do uh, because the court is so small. Now, is this an expensive game to get into? No, that's another great thing. Um, there are parks all around the country that have pickleball courts that are free to play. And uh, what, all you need is a paddle. And so the paddle investment is anywhere from, I mean, if you want a decent one, anywhere from 80 to $160. And then, and then you need pickleballs, but uh, those are like $3 each. And that is all the equipment you need. So, uh, so it's, that, it's very inexpensive to play. Uh, and then, and then, but it can go on beyond that. I mean, you may join a club, you know, like a, all the tennis clubs now have pickleball. Um, and, uh, or if you want to go extreme and you really love pickleball, you can build your own court. And that's, you know, now that's expensive. So that's $25,000, $30,000. And you have your own pickleball court, but a lot of people do. You know, and I've in researching the book, I talked to people that have more than one court because it, it doesn't take a lot of room uh, to have it. And um, uh, so they'll build one or two courts and they'll have their own leagues. And I know one guy in Austin area and he has on average 60 or 70 people playing uh, a week on his courts. They they're constantly there now the downside is when you're uh when you're playing there is like this sort of dinking poing kind of noise and your neighbors may not like that very much so so you have to you know have tolerant neighbors or or you know or live in the country where no one is uh, as far as having your own but but the noise thing, you know, it does affect people, and I can see how it could be somewhat annoying if you, uh, uh, you know, if you live next door to someone who had a pickleball court. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. I, I like how in the introduction to the book, you, you talk about, we hope you don't get sick of the word fun, because you're going to see the, this word a lot in the book. <laughs> you are. The book is uh, named uh, Pigwall for Dummies. So it's part of the dummy series. And I'm sure everyone listening has read a dummy book at some point, you know, that black and yellow covers. And in um, the whole idea, I mean, Pickball is so perfect for that line, the dummies book, because they really encourage like bad puns and, you know, humor and, and all that. And so Pickball, I mean, it's, it is, it's a lot of fun. And I, I guess if we did a word count on fun, um, it's probably in there like three, 400 times. So, <laughs> well, that is fun. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, the, the other thing about it is it's really social. It's not unusual for people having ongoing conversations, you know, during a game or you're on the sidelines and it's a really great way to make friends. So, uh, you know, probably a lot of people in the audience, 
you know, they had the, like this pretty serious career and all that. And now they're at retirement and they, you know, maybe a lot of their friends were, um, you know, work friends or, you know, now that you're retired, you have to find retired friends, you know, that can do stuff during the day. And like all of a sudden, particularly if you join like a pickball club, you will instantly have 50 or 20 friends. I mean, within a couple of weeks. So it really is great. It, it really truly has changed people's lives uh, because now it's a sport that they can do that's healthy. Um, and, and also you, you'll make a lot of friends. I stole one of the lines out of your introduction and I used it for the introduction for the podcast about it's a lot more fun than riding an elliptical at the gym. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I know. It's like, it, it is. It's like, I don't know about you, Caroline, but I'm not big on like working out at the gym and all that. I need to be sort of, uh, uh, you know, coaxed into like uh, um, exercise. And so uh, that's why I used to play racquetball because it's a really fun sport. And you don't realize, and pickball is too, that, you know, you're putting in all this effort and, and, uh, then as opposed to when you're in the gym and you have to do so many reps and all that. So, yeah. I like how you talked about Rien spent mm -hmm. so much time on her computer right. and she had this dent in her couch where she sat a lot and she, there were days that she didn't go outside yeah. and that's kind of me because I'm writing or I'm researching for the podcast or I'm yeah. recording the podcast. And so I have to make a real effort to go outside. And fortunately I have dogs who like to walk. Mm -hmm. So that's really my big exercise, unless I have this marathon summertime where I have grandkids here and we're doing lots of activities. Right. So I can identify with Rian and I'm inspired by her because if she can get out and do it and now I hear what you're saying, it's like, this has got to be a, a sport that has my name all over it. I'd like to know more about part two, getting into the swing of things, but particularly chapter 10 where you talk about achy breaky, preventing injuries and managing physical limitations. Can you expand on that a bit? You're going to be using body parts that you don't normally use. Now, the downside as far as pickball and the health part is you're doing a lot of lateral like uh, movements that you don't normally do because a lot of it is moving, you know, to east, east and west. And so you you really need to learn how to stretch. And I spend about 20 minutes every day stretching um, and working on my core. And, and uh, so there's a lot of exercises. And if you go on the, uh, you know, on the internet uh, and, and, and uh, or on YouTube, and you ask specifically for pickleball exercises and all that, but it's mostly, you know, various kinds of stretches that, that really will help you and serve you well. So, um, but I, you know, basically if you play pickball at some point, you're going to get hurt. And the reason being not, not so much like you're going to trip or anything like that, but you're using different body parts that you don't normally do because of the lateral movement. So um, there's, and it's really great though. I had never really done stretching before. And I really enjoy doing it. And uh, I sort of do it and meditate. And I think at the same time, and then I have my assistant Felix, who's our 12 year old cat that he loves when I'm on the ground, like stretching. 
and he he somehow gets in the way um and but he feels like he's part of the whole um stretching and meditation thing and it's sort of he is part of it so um anyway so just just be warned on that that like stretching is really a key and also shoes i think you say are yes. important as well yeah so there's uh you want to wear court court shoes um and so they have a certain kind of tread that will serve you well. Uh, do not, oh my God, wear flip-flops or, you know, or something like that. Uh, you're just going to hurt yourself doing that. So, um, you know, you, you, you need to get like, like I said, uh, court shoes and, um, and there's tons of brands that have them. And, but it is really important to have the right kind of shoe. And then you also talk about headwear and eyewear. Why are those in the book? Uh, so eyewear is really important. So the only way you're seriously going to get hurt is if someone um, hits the, the pickleball in, in you get hit in the eye. And, and that is a serious injury. So uh, that's why you need to wear eyewear, you know, like goggles or, I mean, just wearing glasses or sunglasses, uh, you're going to get hit and it's much better to have some sort of eyewear on. Uh, and then and, and you always want to wear a hat. I mean, it, you know, dealing with the sun and, and all that is pretty important uh, or a visor. So that's, I mean, everyone wears a hat. Um, everyone wears usually sunglasses and or protective glasses. I would think sunscreen is important if it's in the summertime. It, it is. It is <laughs> important because normally you play about an hour and a half, uh, which is would be about six games or so. The games go quick. You're just uh, playing to 11 and you can you can only score, though, when you're serving. So a game probably will just last 10 to 12, 14 minutes. So they're pretty quick and you take a break for as long as you, your group wants to, and then, then you play again. So uh, I'd say on average, we play about an hour and a half, you know, in a session. Sticking with the, what you're wearing, is there a quote uniform for pickleball? Like <laughs> tennis has you know, certain clothing that yeah. you must be seen with, or does that matter? <laughs> no, I mean, we, we actually uh, have a whole section uh, in the book about fashion, which is, uh, you know, oxymoron and pickleball. You can wear whatever you want there. You could go online. There's tons of like funny shirts and, you know, and, and all that about pickleball. Um, so there really is an, although, I mean, if my wife was talking and we play together, um, she can tell you like the best like uh, skirts and all that that are really comfortable and 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 all that. So probably, I mean, I think it, like anything, probably for women, it's probably more important than for men. Um, you know, because I'm just looking for like a clean T-shirt and my standards aren't really super high. But uh, but anyway, her standards are way higher. So <laughs> and and probably a lot of the women's are. And for people who have limited mobility, you even have a page on playing pickleball in a wheelchair. Yeah, that's true. So, so um, the rules are a little different and all that, but there are uh, quite a few uh, wheelchair players 
uh, in pickleball. So it's pretty much for anyone. And the, your first entry is keeping patient and focused. And is yeah. that part of that strategy for winning? It, it totally is. And it's like, so really good players end up, I, I think I told you the number one strategy is to get near the uh, kitchen area, um, which is, like I said, about eight feet from the net. That's, it's really hard to like beat someone or get the ball past them. If, if both players are at the net. So that whole dinking we were talking about, like those dinking games can go on for like 20, 20 shots. You know, it could go on for a couple of minutes. And because what you're looking for is at some point, someone's a little bit out of, you know, position. And then you can literally just flick the ball right usually between the two players that you're playing against. Um, and so I would say for the most part, the team that is more patient and willing to keep on, uh, dinking back and forth and just waiting for that one time where there's an opening to get the ball past them, that team usually wins. And it's really hard to do. I mean, uh, it's really fun to go and smash the ball, you know, and, uh, a lot and they're called bangers, people that like you know, like to just sort of smash the ball all the time. But those shots, they're really fun when they go in, but half the time they don't go in. And, and lots of times you, you, you end up uh, hitting it into the net. And uh, so the people that are really good at thinking and the ones that are like super patient and just waiting for their opportunity, those are the ones that usually win. How did it come about that you wrote this book, like you and your wife and then your friend and, mm -hmm. and her husband? How, how did that all work yeah. out? Okay, so Mo Nerd uh, and Rianne Steele, they are our pickleball instructors. And they own a company called Positive Dinking. And because uh, and, I know you like the word dinking. Anyway, and, and they are fantastic teachers. And so they were the first people that taught my wife and I how to play. And we became friends with them, which you're gonna, that's gonna happen in pickleball. You're gonna become friends with even the people teaching. And uh, I, my background's in publishing and I had a connection uh, to someone who worked on the dummy series. And, um, uh, and she's also a pickleball player and she also listens to my podcast. And she just called me one day and she's like, okay, I can't believe this, but there's no dummy book for pickleball, which is sort of crazy because they have, you know, over 2000 titles of dummies books and it's the fastest growing sport in America. So um, she's like, do you want to write like a book? And the thing about it is I'm not an expert in pickleball. Uh, and neither is my wife. My wife's a writer, though. And, uh, and so we just went to, like, our instructors, Mo and Rianne, and uh, said, do you want to, like, write this book with us? And it took about two seconds to say yes, <laughs> you know, because they love pickleball, and they're also hilarious. So it's, it's a really good team that we have, you know, as far as, like, um, writing it because uh, believe it or not, this is, this book is over 400 pages. So it is not easy to write. It's like a monster book, 
and there's over a hundred photos, you know, where we actually show how someone should hit the ball, you know, how they should grip it. Um, and it, it'll show some of the strategies in a graphic way. So we had to do photo shoots and all that sort of stuff, but that's how it all came about and it ends up that uh, Wiley owns the dummy series and, and the people there are like super nice. So it took, I don't know, six months to write the book, but it's been a really positive experience and uh, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's made our friendships with our, you know, our instructor friends better and, and, uh, and, and all of our friends. I mean, we have like, I don't know, 30, 40 pig wall friends that we see all the time. They're pretty excited about it because um, it'll be available. It's available now on Amazon. And, uh, you know, once the book is out in October, uh, it'll be available everywhere. It's available for pre-order now, right? Yes, on Amazon? On, on Amazon, yeah. We've already sold, you know, and the book, uh, you know, doesn't come out for about six weeks or so. Um, we've already sold 500 copies. So, um, and that's, we haven't even really marketed it yet because uh, we just finished the book. Um, so, uh, I think it's going to do quite well. They, um, Wiley thinks it's going to be one of their bestseller new books. If listeners want to pre-order the book, they can go directly to Amazon and I can have a link uh, for that on the show notes. Yes. And then after October, it will be in bookstores everywhere. Yep. Yeah, it will be. Okay. Yep. So I was going to ask you about your podcast and you just brought it up, but tell me about your podcast and what's the theme of it. So it's called, I used to be somebody. Um, and that came about because I, people, you know, you're in conversations, you're at a party, you meet someone or, uh, and they're like, well, what did you do? You know, or what do you do? And I always told them, well, I used to be somebody cause I, I was in publishing my background was I, I started some of the first computer magazines in the early 80s. And, uh, and then I was involved. I had magazines in the craft brewing industry in the 90s. And then for the past 20 years, I put on conferences and trade shows for uh, niche publishers. And, and that's when I started saying I used to be somebody because I was no longer a publisher. I was putting on events, conferences and trade show. So... Um, during the very beginning of the pandemic, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I had just sold my last company. I had started and sold three companies and, you know, in the pandemic, there wasn't much to do. And I had done a podcast for a little while for my last company, Niche Media. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. And obviously, you know, you have a successful podcast and, and, you know, the relationship you have with the audience and all that. It's really fun. And you get to talk to people you wouldn't normally ever get a chance to talk to. So I, you know, the, the podcast is really for 50 plus age people, um, mostly baby boomers. And a lot of us, um, you know, are right now in the stage of, uh, you know, retiring from what we were doing. Uh, there's 10,000 people a day turning 65. Uh, you know, this is the biggest group that will ever, you know, the, the baby boomers are the biggest group that's ever going to happen probably in, in, our, in anyone's lifetime. So there are a lot of people like me 
that, you know, had like a career that they really enjoyed. I was an entrepreneur since I've been 25 and I really liked it. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of satisfaction out of working. I mean, and I love my family too and all that. I think I have pretty good balance, but I sort of, you know, you still have these creative juices going despite, you know, how old you are. And I found out that, you know, there are like, you know, tens of millions of people like that. And so they don't, the whole premise is I don't want to retire. You know, I just want to do something more fun, uh, something new and something more meaningful. And so I thought, well, in doing the podcast, it's sort of perfect where I really feel like I'm helping people out like me and we have guests um, every month. Um, and, you know, we talk about their careers, but then we talk about the second acts and like, you know, people have had like amazing second acts in their fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. Um, and I've, you know, interviewed, I'm now on episode 60 and I'm really grateful for that because I, you know, I, I've gotten a chance to meet and talk to like a lot of incredible people. And I feel like we're really helping people that are listening, you know, like, oh, well, here's an idea. This is what this person did. And, you know, it may spark, a new, you know, an idea that they've always been thinking about. And uh, anyway, it's been great fun. I, I love doing the podcast. And, we, and Caroline, we, I, I know this is like hard to believe, but we actually talked a little bit about pickball in it as well. That's exciting. I, I was going to say fun, but I thought, no, I'll change it. I'll change <laughs> it to a different word, okay, <laughs> but it yes. really is fun. <laughs> it is. Now tell me about when you play with your grandkids, just mm-hmm. kind of paint the picture of what that looks like. <laughs> um, well, it's a, uh, a eight-year-old girl, Jillian, and a five-year-old uh, boy, uh, and, and Charlie. And uh, they just, you know, I mean, having grandkids is so great um, because they still think we're really cool. Um, and, and, you know, they've heard all about pickball and, um, uh, and uh, I, I even had like Jillian do some introductions, like, but, you know, on my podcast and she's interested in, in the podcast. And, and um, so they, they, you know, were sort of bugging us about playing, but, you know, my problem was, I mean, oh my God, and, and anyone has grandkids, it's like when the youngest one wants to do what the oldest one does and blah, blah, blah. So we sort of had to do it together with them. And so finally, Charlie's like five. And uh, so we're sitting there instructing him, here's the ball, here's the paddle, you know, we didn't go over the rules and all that. <laughs> But uh, just this is how you hit it. And they picked it up pretty quickly. And particularly the five-year-old, because he's more a listener. <laughs> because like in, in the best way to hit it is sort of like, um, like the same sort of stroke you would have when you're bowling underhand. You know, that, that, that is the best way to get it over the net. And then Jillian, the eight-year-old, of course, she like her first time she played, she was able to smash the ball. And she really enjoyed that. <laughs> Although, like I said, when we were talking earlier in the show, like that's not the best strategy because the ball's going to go out or it's going to go in the net like 90% of the time. But she doesn't care. And, and we don't care either, you know. Uh, 
but they just, they had a great time. I mean, they have a great time just running around the court, like chasing the balls that go everywhere. And, you know, kids are like great. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's just, you could, but the idea of being able to play like a game with them is, is really fun. I mean, to actively be able to do stuff. And, um, and it's just, it's just fun. So we've only played three or four times, but the first time Charlie played the five-year-old, he asked Nana, uh, you know, uh, my wife slash grandmother, uh, Nana, can you reserve a court for us tomorrow? <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty good sign that he enjoyed it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, yeah. around here, we just play badminton on the grass. <laughs> okay, well, I, that's really good exercise too. Yeah, but careful, a badminton, boy, you can really hit that hard, way harder than you can a pickleball. Those those birdies go fast. Yeah. <laughs> and my older kids, my older grandkids, well, mm -hmm. older, they're seven, eight, nine, and ten. They yeah. like to hit it hard. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's a age. lot of fun. Oh, totally. Totally. And they're all boys, so, you know. So there's this yeah, competition yeah, who can hit yeah. it the hardest. Yeah. So yeah, but it, it's fun. You be the grandparent. You don't have to worry that much. I I'm not worried about them um you know learning the rules and doing anything right it's like you know i just want to see them have fun and there's plenty of time when they're older to like really understand you know the right strategy and all that and when they're when they're right for that then then we'll teach them how to really play well the important thing is you're making memories with them now yeah 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 no it's great i mean grandkids i think everyone sort of said like if somehow because skip to that and not been parents, it would have been a lot more fun. But anyway. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about pickleball, about being a grandpa, just any word of wisdom like your friend Mo would wrap up your podcast with? I, I would really encourage someone who is sitting at home and, you know, we talked about and they may be lonely for some reason or um, you know, just they're not very active that, and they're not very social because I mean, the biggest problem people have when they're older is, you know, if they're, if you're going to have a successful, like, you know, older life, you have to be social. And unfortunately, I mean, I've read stories though, of people that, um, you know, lost a spouse and they were just lost in the world and they just didn't know what to do. And I'm not saying like pickleball is going to save the world, but it has saved people's lives where all of a sudden they go out there and they have people that just, you know, want to be friends with them and they want to just have fun. And, and it has literally changed their lives. And, and I, that's why I really love pickleball. It's, it's the people and it's the attitude and, and it's a very open community. Um, and, and like just this past two weeks, I've taught eight people how to play. And, um, and that is really fun, you know, and all of a sudden you see in their eyes, I'm like, wow, I can do this. And wow, I can, you know, make some new friends and all that. So I just, uh, I think that's the essence and why pickleball is so wonderful. Just saying the word pickleball is fun. It has to put a smile on your face. Oh, it does. It's absolutely ridiculous name. So. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but it's fun. <laughs> and that's the it important is. part. <laughs> it is. It's socially like sort of the equivalent of bowling. Like, you know what? No one's really good at bowling. So like at pickleball, everyone's for the most part, like, you know, just sort of average and, and, and uh, you just can't take it too seriously. And uh, anyway, I just like that. Well, at our age, you really don't have a whole lot to prove anymore. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's like, if you're really worried about who I am or what I can do, or, you yeah. know, that one up, it's, I really don't need to be around you. It's like, here I am, I'm going to have fun. Let's just hit the wiffle wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. that fun. Exactly. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.